0: How close should the microphone be? It should be uh, pretty close because I don't want it to be quiet. I want myself to, I want my voice to ring out across the ages. Mm, Across the ages. I think I'm most afraid of how natural it feels. You
1: know, I also
0: have that qualm myself. (laughs) I
1: think you and I were born to
0: do something something like this I don't know if you ever put shampoo bottles in your hand and would sing to them (laughs) I never had microphone like shampoo bottles I feel like I was even more of a cliche in that I did a hairbrush ooh nice I had the shortest hair and I have like no hair it's so fine Mm -hmm. but I always insisted on having one of those enormous paddle brushes like the other girls I know exactly what you mean (laughs) I also insisted on
1: ginormous paddle brushes okay let's uh you have a lot of hair though it's baby fine <sighs> Welcome to Romance, a podcast about bodice busters, the Wild West, Buck
0: and Broncos, <laughs> country doctors, long summer nights. And for once, conscientiously about capitalism. Yes,
1: extremely so.
0: <laughs> uh, but most of all, about romance novels. I am your romance neophyte, Morgan. And I am your romance quote-unquote expert, Isabeau.
1: Blue stocking.
0: <laughs> On the shelf. And today we are going to talk about Tempest by Beverly Jenkins.
1: Tempest brings us to the end of the Old West Ryan Fontaine series. And I hope you enjoyed the final installment. I really like Dear Readers.
0: Yeah? I think it's nice. This is the first time I think I've encountered one.
1: They're usually at the beginning. huh. Oh. Yeah, so you can skip them before you get right to the prologue. <laughs>
0: There are so many different pieces to the structure of a romance novel. Like they'll really include all the like this book has, if I just look on my Kindle, Mm -hmm. we've got 20 chapters, we've got a dear reader, we've Mm -hmm. got an announcement, we've got about the author, we've got an ad, we've got Mm -hmm. our copyright, we've Mm -hmm. got about the publisher. And then in the beginning, we've got a dedication We've got Front Matter and we've got a prologue. Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. The paratext of
1: Romance novels is actually really fascinating and does a lot yeah. of work to sell itself, like sell itself in series, sell itself in other books, like coming, you know, in March from Avon. And, you know, I'm not generally
0: mad about that. Or like Improper Arrangements by mm-hmm. Juliana Ross, which includes a Pinterest board as a paratext.
1: Oh, so amazing. So pretty amazing. interesting. So I picked this out because it was recommended to me by the curator of 57th Street Books here in Chicago. And I made you read it. Do you want to give us a synopsis?
0: Yeah. Um, so here it is. I told Isabeau that I had a really good synopsis ready to go. And now I'm blowing it already. <laughs> You're not blowing. Okay. It. Don't blow your wad. <laughs> Our heroine is Regan, and she is from the Arizona Territory. This is a historical Western romance that's important. Mm-hmm. Regan is headed to Wyoming to meet her future husband because she responded to an ad requesting a essentially a mail order bride. We're not told which newspaper, but one of the it's historic black newspapers. Yeah, they make specific mention of that. I wonder if they published in The Defender. I think it did. Chicago's famous black newspaper. Yeah. This was also the home of Ebony and Jet magazines for a long time. Sure was. Chicago. Now they're selling that building. And the historic Chicago Arts
1: Bank on the south side got a t- of the books from both of those publications. It's gorgeous. You can go there. It's totally free.
0: There's so much good stuff to do for free in Chicago. Anyways, <laughs> enough about that. So Regan is on her way um, to Wyoming when her coach gets attacked, bamboozled by some bandits. And it turns out Regan can hold her own. She kills one of the bandits, wounds another one with her Winchester with her Winchester rifle. and um, then she makes it to the Wyoming town. She sees another group of men ascending on her coat. She assumes their bandits come again, and mm-hmm. she shoots at them and wounds her betrothed in the shoulder. and so denous. And she doesn't know it's him. But it turns out that there's going to be, throughout the book, this kind of ongoing trial about the bandits and trying to prove their intent. And there's also, at first, Colton, who is our hero, Dr. Colton Lee. He's the local country doctor. Mm -hmm. He is going to have a hard time warming up to Regan because his deceased wife was a very... She was a lady. She was a lady and kind of the problematic one, I think. I
1: think a lady in terms... That, like, 1889 would conceive of as a lady.
0: Yes. And she's repressed.
1: Extremely so. And Regan is not. Yeah. She's immediately different. She carries a Winchester. She also has a handgun. She's comfortable with guns. She's comfortable with saving herself. She's comfortable speaking her mind. She's just incredibly comfortable woman with who she is and like that's so nice. We should also take a moment to go ahead and say that in case you guys didn't know that both Regan and Colton are people of color.
0: Yeah well they're African Americans. Yes. Okay I want to talk about the cover because in the book Beverly Jenkins specifically says he has a mustache For sure. on the cover he does not have a mustache. I also was really disappointed by that. And I've seen other covers of Beverly Jenkins books and mm. the guy has a mustache mm. so I think that's something she liked. But something what I I, like. what I noticed most about all Our heroine, Regan, is her grace. And Mm. she... I want to talk about what's satisfying about this book compared to other romance novels. So it's really important to know that the reason Colton decided he wanted a wife Mm -hmm. after his first wife passed away was because he has a daughter named Anna, who's six, and he wants her to have a positive female, a role model Mm -hmm. (laughs) in her life. He's pretty sure his sister, Spring, is not going to provide it.
1: Yeah, and so... He's a busy doctor. He lives with his grandfather, who he almost exclusively calls Ben, which I Mm -hmm. think is an interesting choice. Um, And he's a crotchety old man. And so Anna's only other positive or person in her life, besides her father and her crotchety great-grandfather, is this woman named Minnie, who was Adele, Colton's first wife, her aunt. And Minnie is what some people would call a battle axe. Yeah, I want to take that term back, like aside. Battleaxe, I think when I first encountered that term, I was like, oh man, Axe. This, like, ladies are taking fucking <laughs> names and, like, they're, like, killing it. And then somebody's like, a battleaxe is an insult. And I was like, what? like record scratch and I was like what do you mean it's not a nice term and they're like they almost exclusively use it for older women who don't have sex and yell at you I was like not envisioning battle acts that way why like, do their sex lives come into it <laughs> when do women's sex lives not, not come, come into it. it
0: that's true but I want to talk about okay so Let's, here's what, you, what I th- you found satisfying yeah so Tempest is a book that kind of has a slow growing relationship I didn't feel that slow well they get married and they have an immediate physical attraction and they kind of uncover that but as far as like their affection and understanding of one another and the sharing of a life yeah i think that really progresses over the text. And though there's this underlying thread of the problem of Minnie and the problem of Dunn, who is the brother of the man shot, there are lots of little problems that come up. There's social problems. Yep. There's small town problems. Yeah. There are larger civil liberties issues brought in. Yeah. So I think the book kind of slowly unfolds and really creates this sense of like a wholeness, which I haven't found in a lot of romance novels. I think romance novels tend to be pretty singular. And the problem is the relationship. And the problem is how is the relationship going to work? You know, I'm going to go ahead and
1: say, as somebody who's read more romance novels than you, what's great about Westerns in particular is that there is a lot of town building. Because communities are so key and integral to keeping body and soul together. Like there's usually a barn dance scene. There's usually a wedding scene. There's usually a community coming together scene. And this one has two, which is really nice. And I think you're right. All of the things that make the English countryside of Regency, England, insular and like isolated. Westerns are isolated because of their landscape, but they're not isolated in terms of their community. And one of the things that struck me about this is that generally in romance novels, the community, you'll have like one or two bad apples. And like part of the plot is getting over it. But in this case, like there are a bunch of unlikable townspeople.
0: But what I found was satisfying about this book is as you read a romance novel, you kind of get your little high Mm -hmm. of resolution from the hero and heroine getting together. But since it's kind of a slow burn throughout the book, I think what I got the most high off of with this text was Regan getting to um, elegantly address the villains <laughs> and put them in their place. Yes. And she encountering these difficult situations and always handling it with grace was more of that kind of little kick I got out of the book as opposed to like, will they, won't they? How are they going to make it work? It's like, how is she going to make it work in this community? The community is the problem and the relationship is there and important, but it's secondary. Secondary. And I I think that's what was satisfying about the book for me was just with romance novels where it's all about the relationship coming Mm -hmm. together. You're kind of like, well, this is ridiculous. Part of it, it's almost unbelievable how um, perfectly she addresses everything and how coolly she keeps her head Mm -hmm. and how graceful she is throughout but it's also like satisfying in the way that you wish your life could be like that
1: for sure this is like major gratification and I think it's really interesting that you use the term grace because that is not the first word that came to mind when I met Regan it's not that she's lacking in grace or that she's like clumsy she's quick-witted and she's not afraid of speaking her mind and like all of those retorts Come really easily to her and the way in which she's bold or confident I didn't read that as graceful but now that you're talking about it yeah it is it is very graceful and like the fact that she doesn't have any staircase moments where she's like (laughs) I wish I'd said this like stinging set down to someone and she riles up all the ladies like Yeah. yeah you're right it is it's actually really politically graceful that's really interesting okay I
0: I also thought it was interesting that um, Beverly Jenkins used actual historical events and historical figures, Mm -hmm. which I think is bold because kind of open yourself up to being disagreed with certainly it's like a foothold like if you're in fiction you can say whatever this happened in this make-believe town but if you like give your characters like real places to go to and real events to interact with I mean I think it's pretty brave I wouldn't be so brave I think historical romance skirts that line
1: I think Beverly Jenkins is doing more than certainly some of the other books that we've read on this podcast it worked and it didn't work for me like I loved Mm. the stuff that was like outside of the town like the fact that Dr. Colton got his medical degree at Howard
0: yeah and then Beverly Jenkins kins takes the time to explain what howard is right And, and how like,
1: howard came to be working under the first african-american major in the union army like yeah, all of that stuff person. yeah felt really like beautifully crafted like it felt stitched together in a way that was seamless enough for the story uh-huh. i wasn't quite as convinced about the railroad strike
0: yeah. But what I think is interesting, in Beverly Jenkins' Dear Reader, mm-hmm. she gives you a call to action to research yes, three I do topics. Mm-hmm. The Rock Springs Massacre, which is the mm-hmm. railroad, Dr. Alexander T. Augusta, and Dr. Joseph Lister. Yeah. There is a whole chapter that deals with this massacre. Mm-hmm. It serves to like put our heroine in danger because it takes her Sorry. husband away from her. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so it does kind of tie to the
1: rest of the book. But it doesn't, because that's not her whiff of death. And I don't know, like, I'd actually really like to come back to that because railroad massacres, especially at this time, are really interesting to me, and there are a bunch of really great ones that, like, not great ones, obviously, they're all tragedies. But, like, the way in which capitalism is working in this book and the way in which it worked historically, especially in the West, is fascinating. And I'd like to come back to that, but I think we need to talk a little bit more about our meet cute, our marriage, and spring.
0: What's really fascinating about this book is that Race is central to it. Yes. And but it's also highly intersectional. Yes. So our meat cute. Is initiated by Lonely Hearts ad in a black newspaper. But the like shooting readjusts the power immediately. Whereas I think oftentimes whenever we have a heroine who's embarrassed in her meat Cute, it's because she's like hiding behind a curtain or yeah. something like that. Whereas like she is embarrassed at first because she, shot someone she didn't mean to, but then she apologizes and she's like, I've done enough.
1: Yeah. I love that so much where he's like, you fucking shot me. And she's like, (laughs) I apologize. And I meant it sincerely. And now your reaction is bad.
0: She's, she's apologized a couple times and deeply, sincerely and deeply thoughtfully. And the only way that she can express anything. Right. I'm like, I loved that that she's like yeah. no I did it like That's now enough. it's on you and he like in the book whenever we enter his perspective which actually doesn't happen that consistently it happens in the sex scenes it happens in the sex scenes but we enter his perspective and mm-hmm. you can tell that he's fishing for another apology Yeah, and he says she just kind of stared at me <laughs> And I was like, that's wonderful. It is. I really, I
1: loved that. I loved. Which is grace. Yes, totally. I loved that Regan was so in charge of her gracefulness in that way. Like her gracefulness wasn't, because like I think that word would have been applied to his first wife, Adele. Like she was petite. Mm -hmm. She like had a particular kind of corset. Her grace wasn't active. It was passive. Yes!
0: Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful way to put it. Yeah, so
1: Regan's gracefulness is like, here is how human beings interact with one another. I've uh-huh. done you a wrong. I've offered a sincere apology. Now the way that you're treating me is shitty. And I'm not going to stand for
0: it. Yeah. And I like, I fucking love that. Yeah. She's like, I've done enough. You've. It's time for you. Yeah, do to some growing. Step the rest of the way across the floor. Totally. I loved that.
1: And so there's this whole thing. He reacts badly to being shot and like <laughs> apology (laughs) imagine that listeners and so then he's like you're gonna stay with Minnie she boards people in her home and the sheriff takes her to Minnie's and Minnie is mean immediately and Mm -hmm. crotchety and angry and shows her to this back room Mm -hmm. and there's mold and it's like Regan's like I'm not staying here and then she says to the sheriff anywhere else I can stay and Minnie immediately cuts in and said not colored folks Mm -hmm. and then the sheriff's like fuck you Minnie (laughs) I'll figure this shit out like thanks Tip of the hat. And um, that's one of the subtle and really important ways I think Beverly Jenkins is creating a world where race matters Uh and, like, is constantly showing... Us readers and her audience in general, like how in which to interact gracefully, yeah. and beautifully with that, like.
0: And race isn't just a problem, right? Race is also a, something that creates solutions and brings people together, right? And a shared experience, yeah. But she's conscientious always of intersectionality. For mm. example, Ben, Grandpa Ben, Crouchy his Grandpa wife bear. was a Native woman, mm-hmm. and Ben is reflecting on why he doesn't trust women, mm-hmm. and he tells this story about how Spring Rain was her name how he fell in love with her when he first saw her and he couldn't convince anyone to allow them to get married but then her people saw that he respected their ways Mm -hmm. this is Ben's narrative He learned their language and he learned their language and they got married and then she left him eventually. He was gone all the time because of his work. She left him eventually because her people had left. Her people had left and she felt alone and isolated. Mm -hmm. Our girl Regan, she makes the point that like, well, she probably wouldn't have left if you were fulfilling her in some way. And Ben was like, yeah, but like, I just thought she should be happy that I had like provided her with this civilized life. And Mm -hmm. right there is like the break. Yeah. Like the inconsistency. Yep. That. Did you really respect her culture? Did you really understand it, or did you just learn her language and then think that that was enough? That was enough, and that you were elevating her by bringing her into your culture,
1: right? And we're never meant to like that. You never think he's right, right? Exactly, and that's what's so beautiful about this book, where it's like Ben is crotchety, and like I guess his story humanizes him to a point, but like it's not to the point that we forgive him for all the shit that he's already done, or that it like humanizes him enough to like you know undo this break that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, which is interesting Mm because I think Ben's humanization or kind of depth Mm -hmm. making because at first he's just like a grumpy asshole, is more effective than any kind of depth-making that goes into Colleen, Mm. because in the final chapter, when Colleen is talking about why she turned to sex work, Mm -hmm. she cries out, like, I had to feed myself. I had to feed my child. Mm -hmm. But then there's the added piece of dialogue that's, I needed gowns. And that felt like if you could have eliminated the phrase, I needed gowns, that would have been a really striking moment. But it felt like it was just the villains in this book had to be real big villains. And for us to accept that Ben is going to save the day at the end of the text, he had to be like more than a villain. But Minnie and Dunn and Colleen are all super relegated to villainhood, as well as the banker. While I
1: agree that that's super true. And in many ways, um, the thing that's special about Colleen that's maybe different is that Her villainhood is also really, really specific to womanhood and, like, the mean, catty girl, like, Regina George bullshit. And so what happens to her at the end feels like a specific kind of comeuppance that, like, I didn't feel was necessary, but also, like, was necessary maybe to that character. And in that way, it made me sad. But, yeah, like, she needed that comeuppance. That's, like, and that's the reminder of, like, I needed to feed myself. I needed to feed my daughter. I needed to have gowns. That's to remind us that she's Regina George yeah not to like humanize her I know
0: I just felt like it was a good opportunity to humanize
1: Colleen we should Colleen. talk about who Colleen is right because we, we haven't done that yet.
0: she's a widow mm-hmm. Um, she has a daughter who is Anna's age mm-hmm. and Anna's little nemesis Felicity mm-hmm. before Regan comes to town She is the most beautiful woman in town. Mm -hmm. She is a woman of color, but Mm -hmm. she is Mm light-skinned. She has light eyes. Mm -hmm. And she is known for not marrying her husband because she loved him and then kind of running him into the poorhouse by um, insisting on buying like expensive dresses Mm -hmm. and having this real concentration on putting on airs. And she also is in love with air quotes you say Colton. air quotes
1: I think it's true though and for all of the reasons that you've just mentioned she is a woman of taste she is a woman of color in this hard scrapple town where we also understand that race is a problem for some of the townspeople yeah. at least and who else is out there for her you know it's not like she's not setting... that's not the same as being in love Colton's imminently lovable because he's remote. He's grieving over his dead wife, which I think is always a romantic turn on. He's
0: he's eminently lovable in the structure of romance novels. Yes, he's it, yes,
1: definitely. He's got a real yeah, Rochester yeah, yeah.
0: vibe going on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Morgan's giving me a face like, yeah, I got something to say about Rochester. Well,
0: it's for another book we're going to talk
1: about. <laughs> okay, okay.
0: I just sure. felt triggered. Right? <laughs> but like, there's really no one else for
1: Colleen. And she's like, the other part of it, like, like Reek, She's educated. Like, mm. she has a life outside of this small Wyoming territory town. I, you know, it seems like she and Colton, the doctor, would be a natural
0: fit. And I think yeah. she's really frustrated
1: that he doesn't see her. And, like, she gives off, like, a vibe of desperation that I'm sure is unattractive to Colton.
0: Yeah. I just, I can't buy that she really loves him. And I can't buy that we're supposed to think that she's really in love with him. I don't think so either. The book doesn't buy it. So we can't buy yeah. it. But you're you're saying, like, what is love? <laughs> You make this point pretty often about, like, love is not just, like... Love is not a victory march. Love is not a victory march. It is a cold, and it is a broken... Hallelujah. No, but I think, like, you know, love in real life is about sharing a life. It's about how well can you coexist with somebody. And I think for all those reasons, like, Colleen... And he checks a lot of boxes for Colleen.
1: Yeah, and, like, sure, she's mercurial, but, like, honest to God, like... Regan is too just yeah. in a different way like she answers a mail like she's seeking adventure the thing that she's looking for by answering this ad isn't love necessarily it's an, yeah. It's, yeah. It's,
0: it's an adventure in the wild wild west and even though she's from the Arizona territory yeah, which I think she's just can't. going
1: further west to a colder place I'm like cool going north.
0: but Wyoming is interesting because mm-hmm. Wyoming is a particularly fraught place to set this book totally. at this time period because Wyoming, um, for those of you who aren't up on your American history, gave women the right to vote, gave In black... In 1867, yeah. folks! gave black folks the right to vote gave like did a lot of stuff to try and lure more bodies so that they could become a state yeah and so like necessity being the
1: driver of equality in that territory is like a fascinating place to set a discussion about intersectional race yeah and also just like because it's true like it's not just people of color moving west to escape Jim Crow it's not just the you know Native American population living out there who are being more and more regulated To reservations. It's not just the Chinese who are coming in westward from San Francisco or eastward from San Francisco, rather. It is truly in the sense of like maybe the most romanticized version of America. It's really a melting pot in that moment in particular. In
0: that moment in particular. And I would also say, I'm just like reflecting on all of this. Mm -hmm. Beverly Jenkins put so much real stuff in this book. Like they have a debate in the town over we have to pay teachers more. Yeah. Because if we want people with children to move to this area we've got to show that we will take care of kids that we have education and stuff gotta have teachers that's one problem that the town faces um, and they talk and about... People, they, there's also the violent reaction of white workers to a perception <sighs> that their jobs are being taken from them by Chinese workers. I want to come back to that. But it feels just so prescient. Yeah,
1: clearly Beverly Jenkins is writing in our current moment. And she's using Wyoming in 1889 to talk about it. Like, this book was just published. But she's
0: also really just talking about Wyoming in that moment. And she's
1: also talking about America. I want to talk about... So you mentioned teachers specifically. What was really important about that discussion about the teachers is that one of the arguments that they use is like we're losing bodies in this town. Like mm-hmm. the young people who have kids are going to Laramie. They're going to Cheyenne. They're staying in
0: Indiana.
1: They're staying in Indiana because there aren't jobs and there aren't schools for their kids. There's no way to grow the town. And I think like that's an interesting discussion about like what's happening in rural America right now.
0: Yeah. I mean she really it's not heavy handed. No. And it's not proselytizing. Not at all. But it is like a really clear account and reflection of our current moment via the lens of uh, Wyoming yeah. in this moment and I think yeah.
1: it's really good I it seems like you really want to talk about the Chinese workers and the in the railroad strike
0: I know you do and I'm gonna say we can't talk about railroad strikes because you don't let me talk about serial killers on this podcast you talk about serial killers all the time I don't <laughs> liar You just love Death and Murder, except in Montana Skies, which was a murder book. My mom texted me that she read Montana Skies, and I was like, I knew you were going to read the murdery one.
1: (laughs) I really love the sound of your mom. She reads (laughs) these like really violent
0: murdery paperbacks like yeah. crime books. Anyways we can talk about more murder books. Um, Here's... The Chinese railroad strike, the strike itself does not really factor into the book that much besides to reveal like a historical event and to place our heroine in greater danger because it removes her husband from the scene for whatever reason that could be provided. But I mean that could have been any number of things that took him away.
1: But like also you're espousing that reasoning but like nothing happens to her and it doesn't feel dangerous that he's gone. She's
0: threatened and it reveals that she's being watched.
1: Yeah but like you know he could have said that and like Colton could have been there. Like that whiff of death didn't feel particularly menacing to me because like the omnipresence of surveillance in this book was already pretty well foregrounded. So like him being gone didn't feel like any more or less dangerous because they've already
0: been shot at twice at this point when he leaves. Yeah but it raises stakes. It raises intensity. Mm -hmm. If he says... I know your husband's out of town. You immediately feel vulnerable for her.
1: I guess. I guess I didn't. And maybe part of the reason was because like the way in which that historical moment felt kind of shoehorned into this book.
0: And I don't think it's functioning as a whiff of death. I think it's just raising stakes. I think whiff of death is certainly in this book. Totally. I'm surprised you haven't brought it up yet. I want to.
1: But the thing about the moment that she's that this book talks about with the Chinese workers and everything that you said about like a white reactionary force to, you know, people taking their jobs and like all of that is really interesting. There's like a moment of like, oh, Eastern medicine meets Western medicine with acupuncture. And like some of that's like nice, but I don't know. It just, there wasn't enough discussion for it to feel fluid with the Uh, rest of the book. It
0: felt like a token maybe. Uh, It doesn't feel token, but it feels maybe self-indulgent on the author's part.
1: Yes, because it's not serving the story in any particular Mm -hmm. way. It doesn't really advance anything. Maybe it raises
0: stakes, but I didn't feel that way. Yeah. I complain about authors being self-indulgent in this genre quite a bit. You do. But there's... A part of me that's like, I'm being self-indulgent reading this. And <laughs> the author has indulged me greatly by like giving our hero a mustache, you know. Even I though do she really doesn't love his know facial that. hair. So how can I begrudge someone their drive to include a historical event, especially if it's TMTM for the right reasons? <laughs> you know, this isn't like Kathleen Woody Weiss. Oh, yeah. Trying okay. to work through her yeah. S&M fantasies by like putting Shanna, on a, and- putting Shanna on a silk ribbon leash, you know. God. It's more about it's a, like, social, a social movement, something that she feels hasn't had a light shined on it, a historical sure. event that hasn't had a light shined on it.
1: Also, dear listeners, if you like Westerns that deal with labor rights, especially of the Chinese and the Western canon, might I recommend, uh, also if you like Hayden Christensen and Robert Duvall, there's an incredible miniseries, um, it's six hours, and it's a Western, and they end up rescuing three uh, young women who have escaped slavery. I don't remember what it's called, but it's really good, and I'll remember in a minute.
0: Is Hayden Christensen rescued? her? Not Hayden Christensen,
1: Hayden Christian Church.
0: I don't know who that is. He's
1: on divorce with Sarah Jessica Parker right now.
0: Oh, oh, I'm familiar with this.
1: Yeah, it's actually a really good Western. Anyway, uh, that's all I have to say about that. Sounds white savory, which is very Western. Uh, Only Robert Duvall, really. Hidden Christian Church is just delightful in it.
0: I was really not excited to read this because of Montana Sky.
1: But this is a historical Western. And it
0: totally changed my perspective. I really enjoyed this book yeah. so much. But I was thinking about there's stilted dialogue. Can we talk about Can I? Can I be a little self-indulgent Dude, in this I marked
1: some of the worst parts of the dialogue. In so here. at first
0: I was like, God, this is noticeable. But then I was like, it's kind of like Deadwood. Yes. Where they have this like very affected way of mm-hmm. speaking um, that kind of speaks to a perceived deficit where you're trying to make up for the fact that you are in a hard scrabble West, yeah. but you're trying to create the illusion of something like back Eastness. And so your dialogue is kind of interesting. I thought, you know, like at first I was like, this is uncomfortable. But then it just reminded me of Deadwood. And I was like, I think Beverly Jenkins is doing it on purpose. I think she's doing something really historically accurate, which is super remarkable. Doing something historically accurate outside of underpants in this... I love underpants. Okay, so a couple of
1: things that I want to say before I read this passage. So she's shot Colton. He's trying to come around and he's like, well, that wasn't in your letters that you're a crack shot. And it wasn't in your letters this, that, and the other thing. And he's trying to reconcile this woman before him with the letters that they've been exchanging for months. So they're riding back to his sister's house where she's staying because Minnie is such a horrible person. This is the moment that she reveals that her mother was a prostitute and left them with their aunt Edie. Regan responded with a short, bitter chuckle. No, she didn't want us anymore so she shipped us off like a crate of oranges and we haven't heard from her since. He stopped his horse. Regan added, Portia grieved the loss but I didn't. If she didn't want us, I didn't want her. Something else not in your letters. True, nor did I reveal that she was a prostitute. He visibly tensed, studying her in the fading light. So she said, if you wish to cancel our agreement due to my mother, you're free to do so, but you should know the truth. Forgive me for asking what might be a rude question, but have you ever been with a man? I gave my virginity to someone I cared deeply for. He was the only one though he raised his eyes to the heavens as of seeking strength or patience or both you're making this very difficult would you rather i lied he studied her again and shook his head no anything else i should know
0: i want to talk about levi i thought we were talking about dialogue we can do both well, okay well what's your beef with the dialogue in that piece i thought that's why you read it i read it because it
1: like i think it like showcases this kind of like stiltedness and how yeah. it works
0: and I almost think, you know, before I was like someone Midwestern trying to impersonate someone from the East Coast. But now I'm like, no, I think it's like a sense of decorum that yep. is ingrained in you that is clashing with a sense of urgency and a sense of efficiency that is going to become the coin of the realm in Places like Wyoming. Yeah. And that's where the slippage and the weirdness and the dialogue goes to. But I, I started to really enjoy it. <laughs> I did as too. As I was reading it. Me too.
1: Because it, it feels, I don't know, like not like taking on airs, but like whatever it is when something's just a little bit fancy. It's like the difference between like a cloth napkin and like a paper napkin. And
0: it also just does so much world building. Yeah. An incredible amount that of world You're hearing building. these people kind of try and fail at something like, try and, and not fail, but try and come up with a new currency maybe for sure levi levi the the white soldier
1: right who she gave her virginity to
0: do they talk about that in one of the previous books in the series have you read them all i haven't and what was interesting about
1: this experience is that i didn't know this was the third and last installment of the series so i kept reading being like oh i'm really excited to read the next book in this series because it's going to be about spring the sister or it's going to be about
0: dovey and then it turned out that this was the fucking end of the series and i was like what Do you think Beverly is setting us up for some good Vic? Do you think she's like, to me, Dovey feels like a real cry for Vic.
1: I agree. Oh my God. Listeners, Dovey is this incredible, also not quite widow because her husband's just left her with this like, you know, bear of a son and like (laughs) Wallace Jr. (laughs) Yeah, Wallace Jr. And this, and like total sidebar. She's an incredible secondary because the Irish saloon owner is in love with her.
0: And I also love that Beverly Jenkins, when she introduces him, says he wore the roughly shirt of a gambler. <laughs>
1: Details in this are just so good. And he, <laughs> and he like refuses to call her Debbie. He calls her Boudica.
0: Yeah.
1: Boudica. I wish I could
0: do an Irish brogue. I do too. I'm not going to try it. Anyway, if, for well, listeners. Okay, we should just call Liam Neeson and ask him to do it. We should. We should be like, Liam Neeson saying. <laughs> Google Liam Neeson saying Boudica. Boudica. See what you can find. Boudica.
1: Anyway, if you guys don't know, Boudica is this incredible Celtic queen who just like rode her over the Romans as long as she could with her daughter at her side. Um, she's an incredible warrior princess type and to have some person call you Boudica is like the biggest compliment you can receive.
0: Probably wasn't for Dovey. Well he calls her Boudica because she's six foot tall. Yeah she's tall and blonde. Boudica. Are you trying to do it? No voice?
1: I'm just like it just chills me. It's like Mufasa. He Boudica. calls her
0: that whenever she gets up and speaks at the town council meeting asking yes. for higher wages for teachers. Boudica. <laughs> it's just so sexy. He's described as like very dreamy and he says Sounds exactly like your traditional mm-hmm. white hero yeah. in a romance novel. Like he's a he's he's a gambler. Uh, he's a rogue.
1: A roué even.
0: He's a roué. He has dark curly hair yep. and he's wearing the ruffly shirt of a gambler. Totally. Oh God I love it. Anyway you know what's interesting to me about
1: that is like Colton also has a pet name for Regan. It's Mrs. Lee.
0: Oh yeah. That comes up the first time they make love. Yeah. And he uses it again in like their most
1: tender moments. And the people
0: of the town start calling her Mrs. Doctor. I
1: love that, by the way. Um, But when he calls her Mrs. Lee rather than Regan or anything else, it's like he only does it in the most tender of moments. And I think that's... I don't... Whatever patronyms last names complicated (laughs) stuff but there is something really sweet about this where he like throws mrs lee out in the same way people say like sugar pie or honey bunch or
0: yeah like it's a way of saying i like you and i love you while addressing you directly yeah there's so much great like that's such great character building yeah and such subtle character building yeah i think she did a really true-to-life job of depicting like it felt to me relatable as someone from a small town Mm -hmm. in this day and age like you've got the old men sitting around drinking coffee who will help you out with stuff the telegram office at the telegram office which is like the old men sitting around at a McDonald's drinking coffee. Totally, or like a hive. Um, yeah, the town council, the women's group. Yeah, and I think all of that is really definitely done. So like, and all the problems of living in a small town yeah. that I still haven't reconciled. And maybe never will. And all the best parts about living in a small town. Yeah, it's just a small town place. I mean, she does such a beautiful job. You really fall in love with every part of the book, I think.
1: I think so too, although here's my one qualifier. Uh, The sex scenes are written almost exclusively from his perspective Uh except when she says I'd never had sex like this before and I'm like that's really taking me out of it it's from the back y'all on the porch no less and like that for me was just like really jarring because we already know that her sexual history is only Levi and like that's fine Mm -hmm. and like what we begin to learn is that Dr. Lee's sex life is real fucked up with his first wife yeah it's not healthy do you want to talk about that while I find a scene
0: yeah so (laughs) we're trying to make this work
1: To wall content. (laughs) No, because, like, all right, do you want me to talk about it? No,
0: no, I'll talk about it while you look. So, his wife, um, she did not uh, take an interest in sex, and it's because that's how ladies approached the marital bed. She treated it like an obligation. She would take care of his needs whenever he wanted. And he asks Regan if she'll do that. She's like, yeah, as long as you'll take care of my needs whenever I want. He was like, (gasps) oh, good women don't have needs.
1: (laughs) And yeah, here it is. When he entered the room, she said, I need help getting out of this gown oh I love this part that isn't necessary what is it necessary that he said gesturing vaguely her way aren't we consummating our vows yes but I'm not to remove my clothing good women don't remove their clothing after giving him a steady look she said so I'm supposed to lie back lift my dress and let you rut away by her bold manner, he somehow managed to say, that's usually the way it's done. Then let's do something unusual because I don't want to get the gown ruined.
0: Such a great response. I remember thinking like, that's so diplomatic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, like, and like, so then
1: I think one of the things that I found interesting and humanizing about Colton and also sad about like his sainted marriage to Adele is that he never had sensual, intimate relations with this woman that he was married to for years
0: and he has a moment where he worries that she was never fulfilled when she was with him because of this right and he doesn't like
1: let it bother him or like his memories of her which I think is also a really good moment but like the way in which these sex scenes then are like repurposed is like they're both like virgins touched for the very first time you think so yeah because she's like I've never done it this way and I've never done it that way I didn't know I could straddle a man I'm like if Regan can fucking shoot a Winchester How how
0: does she know she can't straddle a man no
1: she had never thought to straddle a man before. Oh, okay. And I was like, if she can shoot a fucking Winchester and a handgun, Regan's fucking thought about straddling a man. Gums are sexy.
0: (laughs) Oh, they're, and not necessarily true because we know from Montana Sky that our heroine, who was very capable, had not thought of straddling a man before. Which one? The one nobody
1: liked. Oh, but nobody liked her and I really like (laughs) Regan. You know, I'm just like, I'm not convinced that she wouldn't have thought about sex that way before.
0: But also, the first time they have sex, we're in his perspective, and he says he's really grateful that she's not a virgin.
1: Yeah. And which was nice. He had a bad reaction to her confessing her non
0: virginity. I mean, I guess not bad. He and had like. It's resolved.
1: Yeah, but like, I don't he know. He realizes he was wrong. He didn't say it out loud, though. We just know it. <laughs> like, and that's like the switching of perspective that's great about romance. But also in that moment, it was like, fucking say that. Say that out loud. Super handsome man. Do you not
0: think she got the idea that she was appreciated? No, because she did. He, he Comes to reconcile her relationship with Levi. He kind of very eloquently tells her, I saw Levi and he wanted me to tell you he's sorry. That he lied to you. That he lied to you. And she's like, "Okay, cool. And he's like, "Okay, cool. And they move on with their lives, which I think is indicative of the fact that they have bigger feelings for each other that are more about liking one another than possessing or having difficulty or friction.
1: For sure. For sure. I agree. And I think to that end, we didn't need Levi as an actual human body character in this book Beverly Jenkins was doing such a good job of building that already
0: and it made me kind of have a problem with Odell which I didn't want to have me too because Odell's love- his grandpa by the way <laughs> Levi's grandpa and, and Odell is a nice old man who drinks coffee at the Telegram office and is good friends with Grandpa Ben yeah and is trying to get Grandpa Ben to stop being such a fucking grizzly bear yeah and is really good with Anna yeah really supportive and they go fishing
1: yeah like that whole thing I was like we don't need Levi here get him out of here <laughs> and then he shows back up at like the, that's another Reason why that the striking train workers were hard for me because
0: Levi showed back, but up. I think it kind of went to show that like a problem doesn't have to be a problem because in any other romance novel, him showing up would have caused great controversy, and it only so- creates a small problem, which demonstrates to us the strength of Regan's relationship with Colton. Yeah, but like, why have that problem at
1: all? Then, like, why have him show up? Because like, when he... we
0: needed to, we needed to know that this was a better relationship than just. I think there are different ways to show that because like when Levi showed up
1: and like there's a chapter break, I was like, oh oh, man, shit's about to go down. And then it's like, boop, boop. And I was like, Levi's a real waste then. Like, why have him if you're going to, like, amp me up to have shit go down and then have no shit go down? Well,
0: I thought it was nice.
1: We can have different opinions on this, Morgan.
0: I know, but I'm saying, like, it's nice. Okay. I'm just sharing my different opinion.
1: Here is my other problem with this. She was shot twice in the back. Yeah. She is walking out of bed within seven days. I don't know how much y'all know about back injuries. Nobody's walking out of bed in seven days. Did you
0: just not like this book? (laughs) No. Because the book goes through great care to explain how close she was to dying, but the shots just barely missed anything serious. Also like running, like I just don't think you liked it. No, I I did really like
1: this book, but the two major problems that I had with it were Levi, where he feels like a really unutilized
0: problem. I think he's presented realistically. And then you're mad at the gunshots because they're not presented realistically. What what is your problem with the book? Those
1: two things. Like she's shot twice in the back and is walking in seven days. That's cuckoo bananas. I
0: feel like these two problems are are perhaps somehow reflective. Mm -hmm. They're the symptoms of a larger problem that you have with this book. And I'm curious what that is because I think that might be interesting. I don't have any guesses as to what it is.
1: I don't think I have a large... It's really just those two things yeah like levi feels like a structural thing that Mm -hmm. is like untied like a piece of scaffolding that's still attached to a building that you don't need
0: i think it's not enough drama i think that's the thing that connects levi and the gunshot wounds not enough drama
1: okay okay you're 100 percent right that's exactly (laughs) my problem i'm glad that you because i couldn't put my finger on it where i'm like i'm amped up (laughs) why am i mad (laughs) but you're right because like listeners I can't tell you how fucking exciting the first chapter is it is like pulsing and I'm like it's just so exciting I like, nodded sorry I like, forgot this is of audio yeah, we're not visual she like fucking cocks her gun she leans herself out of the window and she's like ah! fucking taking down bandits and like some guy collapses from a heart attack at the top, top of, the of the carriage th- oh or my whatever gosh. and it's like it is just heart stopping and then she like the, another posse of eight people show up up and she like cocks her gun again oh but how does
0: she set this scene she sets it as like another boring day in a stagecoach and yeah. her bottom hurts from bouncing around yeah
1: it, bam 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 and she's like my poor posterior and then it's like oh my god we're in it
0: we're in it we're in it and then bandits, she, bandits. real bandits yeah not bandits who are gonna make love to you they're they're gonna, they're gonna steal your stuff and hurt you and hurt you, you badly and, like assault you yes and like
1: that's made really clear like the yeah. stakes of the first chapter are so high and then and you have these eight people come riding over the edge and she gets her gun and she like wings a guy and like she, she didn't wing him enough and he just like slaps a hand on his shoulder and like they ride down so hard on the carriage and then the coach guy is
0: like oh I know those guys it's the sheriff <laughs> it's such a good it's so head. good it's such, it is it and is you like I feel like the rest of the book didn't deliver on that opening no
1: and the moments that like jump right to it like Levi showing up uh-huh. and then having that chapter break I'm like oh god here we go yeah, and then like or a shot rings out across you know the plains, and she's riding alone in her carriage, and like she feels the burn in her back, and then like she's shot again, and she somehow manages to like get the reins and like get herself home. Like that's so exciting, and then we spend three days in suspended animation, and then I do love that he wakes her up with you know, hello, Mrs. Lee. Like yeah. I think that's really sweet, but like I wanted everyone to be really, really terrified that she was gonna die. I wanted to like be in the surgical scene. I wanted there to be like gas lamps and like (laughs) crying and like you know bags of rags of blood and like maybe like he like was afraid to do a blood transfusion because of like the timing yeah and like none of that it's just like there were so
0: many like (gasps) oh you know what though i think that's part i think maybe beverly jenkins has a project here what's it called whenever it's an educational a book is meant to be educational what is it self-aggrandizing no (laughs) i don't really believe that beverly jenkins not teleological yeah, pedagogical yeah I think there's I think there's a pedagogy in this book because yeah. early on Regan says I should have realized that answering a mail order bride letter wasn't going to be an adventure because a marriage isn't you know yeah like that I think the fact that the book sets up and then frustrates some of your ideas of adventure or your ideas of like oh my god the other man has arrived they will both desire her fiercely and will probably kill one <laughs> like, I you don't know, need that to like happen. A, it's like an idea that, but that's what I thought was going to happen. No one loves a love triangle more than old morgy right here but i was like i was satisfied by it i think it is i think it's a pedagogy i think she's saying something about romance that perhaps it isn't not romance novels i think she's saying something about love that love is not romance that a relationship is not the drama and friction that comes from being together it's the steadiness it's the adjustments it's the moving your sail to catch the wind It's not fighting the storm.
1: I feel like you're giving this too much, especially because I feel like... You think I'm reading too much into it? Not giving it too much credit. That part of it. Because like in so many ways, this is like a structurally perfect romance novel. It, and like some of the ways in which structures are deployed, they're underutilized. It's not like they're confounded. They're just underutilized.
0: But to me, regardless of Beverly Jenkins intent, I mm-hmm. think this is accomplishing a pretty fascinating project. Yeah. A pretty fascinating project in that it is a structurally yeah romance novel. Yeah. Braids to toes like Regan says but it's also doing something different yeah not leaning on drama in the I ways mean, that are
1: but then in other ways it leans like too heavily on drama like the whole thing with Colleen, Colleen is a little melodramatic and mellow- even dramatic. the stuff
0: with Spring Spring is
1: melodramatic in ways that like feel very historical romancy in like ways that I recognize but mm-hmm. also like in ways that don't feel like they're confounding or like doing anything different with the structure like in some ways I can see like with a corset that is just frayed at the edges I can see the boning in this and sometimes <laughs> it took it out for me especially uh-huh. when I didn't understand why the boning was there if you weren't going to use it. There you go. That's what it was like. I also really loved her corsets unless They were really pretty sounding. Yeah,
0: they all sounded lovely. Yeah, that. Yeah. Like her her outfits stuff. I got oh. really into in this Me book. Me too. The makeover scenes in this mm. book were very good. I agree. I I'd agree. So, okay, I think we've talked about my favorite sex scene is the one on the porch. And after the one on the porch, they get really vague. They yeah. get really fade to black and then come back up. Yeah. Uh, they mention oral sex briefly. Yeah. Not enough, though. What was I, so honestly to me there's only two sex scenes in the book yeah I agree
1: because the others are fade to black like mm-hmm. abstractions
0: which kind of proves a point about how sex is like a consistent thing in a relationship <laughs> that isn't necessarily jaw dropping yeah it's nice it is nice
1: it's warm this book feels very warm yeah it's like a slow simmer I like I super enjoyed it it's a definite romance for me yeah Um, I wasn't sure I mean, I like... My problems aside, like, you know, I'm not an uncritical reader.
0: Um, I am. That's why I have no business at the University of Chicago. We would come to class discussion, I'd be like, well, I think it's super. It all makes sense.
1: Listeners, don't listen to Morgan. She's an incredibly thoughtful and considerate thinker.
0: I mean, I have good reasons for liking everything.
1: Anyway, uh, womance or no romance, Morgan?
0: A oh, romance well, for me. Okay. I liked it. I felt like it was so different. I think that it's a, one of the wrong romance novels that stands up really well to critical inquiry. I
1: agree. And I like, I love everything that's happening in terms of race. And I also think it's really important. And one of the hit, like centering it in a historical realism is also so important to say, like, of course there were black Cowboys and black doctors. Yes. Of course, there were Native Americans raising horses, not living on reservations. Yeah, like of course there were Chinese people. Of course, of course, of course, you lily white idiots who and say that the West like, is a particular way.
0: And also, there's this sense of like there isn't an isolationism from everything else that's going on yeah, in the world. Totally, they talk about Geronimo and yeah, they talk about um you know as if they are current events mm-hmm. because I mean they are for really? <laughs> contemporary for the book, but know there isn't a sense of isolationism which I feel like a lot of times in historical romance Mm -hmm. it could technically happen anywhere at any time except they don't have smartphones and they wear different outfits yeah totally and this is very particular and in its particularity does a really beautiful job of feeling timeless yeah I agree total Will mance all the way yeah thanks Beverly Jenkins hey Beverly Jenkins or
1: Bev as you call yourself on Twitter we really liked this I want to read the rest in your series and if you want to take the lowly opinion of a podcaster I would love a book about spring
0: <laughs> I would love I think a novella about spring and a novella about Dovey would, would be just, perfect just real satisfying yeah 99 pages that's all I need
1: <laughs> Just one really. good Come sex on, scene.
0: Beverly. I'm so. I want to know what happens with Spring. I do too. And that's what, what if she? What if she? What if it's a queer romance?
1: I think that'd be great. I also kind of got the feeling that the sheriff was making moves there, but like maybe I know. I'm. Too oh much my god!
0: Witten Spring. Yeah.
1: Wing. <laughs> uh, you wing. can have wing if you want that, Beverly Jenkins. Is yours, courtesy of Morgan and Isabel. Yeah. We really liked this book.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was a big time romance for me. That's all I have to say about it. I wish there were, you know. Yeah, the weirdest part for me was Colleen bringing up her gowns.
1: Yeah, and we talked about that, though.
0: I think we covered everything. I think we did too. God, another perfect (laughs) episode in the books. (laughs) We only talked about our takeout lunch twice. You did it again. All right. I'm going to kiss y'all goodbye. This is Morgan. And this is Isabeau. Telling you to loosen your stays. Spend over your principles. Mm. Mwah! Hey, folks, it's Morgan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Mance. Our logo is by Mary Reichman, and our original music and editing is by Nick Gravelin. They're the best. Feeling woeful about waiting a whole week for more Wo-Mance? Well, chin up, buttercup. You can creep or connect with us anytime on Twitter. We're at woe underscore mance or Instagram, womance, all one word. You can also find us on Tumblr at womance.tumblr.com. If you prefer to be more direct... Why not send us an email? We're willmansmail at gmail.com. Can't wait to hear from you. And don't forget to tune in next week.